Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. It's news alert time. News alert, news alert. Mads, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm good. sleepy. It's been a busy day. Mm-hmm. What about you? Got a lot done. I've got a lot done today. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been a, it's been a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but have I've been very productive today, so I'm glad to hear you have too. Yeah, it's been overly productive. Mm, good. I never want to love do anything to again. You know, we, <laughs> we love to hear that. You need a nap after a day like I today. Do. I do. <laughs> well, maybe you can take a nap later. Amen. Okay, just go to sleep later tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. You got anything for our listeners? Let's see. So, like we, we I feel like we've mentioned this a few times now, mm-hmm. but it's so exciting and it's, yeah. you know, it's crucially important. So, Be the Difference yes. concert, it's coming up. And I feel like it's one of those things, it'll be here before we know it. Absolutely, know? it will. Like, time is passing so fast right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I think it's because we're all so busy. Um, but tickets are on sale. It's going. I really believe that it's going to sell out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to get online and buy your tickets. Okay. You can buy your tickets through our website. There's a big old banner with Mac Powell of Third Day. His face is on it. You just click it. Perfect. Um, and if you're listening, you can still use our code Foster Carolinas ten for ten percent off your purchase for your tickets until I love a sale. Uh, right mm-hmm. until May thirty first. So next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not buy them now? Yeah. Use your discount. Get your Please discount. use your discount. Yeah. And then, you know, it's going to be a great concert and it's for such a good cause. It's, uh-huh. you know, we're Absolutely. spreading awareness about needing foster families, needing foster homes. Um, yeah. Good. Okay. Well, I think what I have is another bridge camp. We obviously still need people. We need male counselors just like we did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten some male counselors, so that is exciting. I know I'm very excited. Um, but we still need some more. Um, so yeah, keep that, keep that on the forefront of your mind. Oh yeah. Tell, tell your good male people in your life, (laughs) friends, boyfriend, dads, brothers, friends, everybody. Mm -hmm. We need those males, um, to be counselors. And also we wanted to put a little plug in for our wishlist Wednesday today, which is what now? It is teen girl summer pajama sets. So, you know, like the sets from Old Navy. They're like yes. shorts and a shirt to sleep in. Yes. Um, those are the best. And that's what we need. We don't want our girls, you know, sweating to death, trying yep. to sleep. So, summer PJ sets. Yeah. One thing about me, I love a pajama set. Oh, girl. You ask anybody. Oh, girl. Any of my friends. Okay, cool. So, they can go and buy some pajamas for some Teen girls. Absolutely. Everybody gets what? One pair of pajamas in their bag? Yes. I think so. Yeah. Back, I hope you get a pair of pajamas. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Pair of pajamas. Um, Old Navy does have some good ones. They really do. I love Old Navy. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Cool. And I feel like we can't go without addressing the tragedy that has happened in Texas. Mm-hmm. And we've all been very heavy here today. Mm-hmm. Um, we love... We love all of the people involved. We pray. We're praying for all the people involved. And I can't even, I can't imagine no. what they're going through today. Mm-hmm. And so sad. Um, so we didn't want that to pass and not acknowledge it. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, 
we are at the end of not the end because Susanna addresses it. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of her story. Michaela is mm-hmm. <laughs> still still doing phenomenal things. Yes. She has the two cutest little boys. Sweetest boys in the world. Married, work. She's doing she's doing so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are wrapping up her foster care awareness story for us this month. We and are. thank you, Michaela, for sharing your life with us. Mm-hmm. We really, we really appreciate it. And we love you so much. So without further ado, here's our last episode of Foster Care Awareness Month. So excited to be back today with Michaela to kind of hopefully the final chapter. Um, I think you're still 13, maybe you're 14 at this point in this story, but um, you're in the, what do they call that? A level facility? Yeah, a leveled group home. A leveled group home. And you had said that you had to do certain things to get on cards or numbers or... Yeah, so they have like level A, level E, level F. Um, and you said, we left off and you said it took you two years, I think. Yeah. But you finally got to... Oh, like I bumped up level. They kept me at the same level for a very long time. And your therapist... was able to come and be what'd you call what kind of resource was she for you she was a visiting resource um we had went through a period of time where there was a confidentiality breach of like um conflict of interest and they didn't want her to be a visit visiting resource at all um and so we had to she fought the fight behind closed doors that I didn't know of um, to like get in there and be a visiting resource for me because um, it was a calling on her heart. That's awesome. Okay, so you're you're ready to leave now, right? How did that happen? How did you get out of that facility? So basically it came down to me. It was almost like a fight, um, which now that I look back, it makes me emotional and frustrated uh, because as a child in foster care I was put up against adults um, to like fight for my own freedom out of a leveled facility that I had been in for two years Um, so I basically would watch other kids around me um, have home visits and weekend visits with people and I just had nobody Um, and so the one resource that I did have that wanted to visit me, um, which was my therapist, my former therapist who had um, a calling to do that with me. Um, She was put up against a lot of um, limitations and obstacles just to be able to come visit me. So now that I look back, I'm just really frustrated with the, the whole map of everything and how it turned out, which was basically like, this lady was her therapist. There's no way she's going to visit her. And they didn't see me as a child who had nobody and, and watched other kids around me be able to go and visit with visiting resources. So you're sitting in that place for two years and nobody comes to see you. Um, my biological mother came to see me one time in two years. So did you get to see any of your siblings? No. So, okay. That's, that's terrible. Um, and your social worker, did you voice it to your social worker that, Hey, I'd kind of like to see some people. Did you ask inquire? Yes. So this is kind of where, um, I can't expose all of the trials that were in my story. Um, 
just because it's I don't want people to have a, a the wrong idea of like DSS and social workers because not everyone is um, the same. So I don't want to bring malice to the situation. Yeah. Well, I applaud you for trying to protect um, because you're right in any work life, whatever job, there's always the good and the, you know, there's some people that are really good at their jobs and there's some people that are not so good at their jobs. If, right. um, you know, so we don't want to ever want to, you know, and we want more people to be foster parents. Let's just be honest about right. that. So, um, the system is broken for so many ways, but people are human mm -hmm. and they make human error all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what happened here. And they weren't looking at Michaela as a child. They were looking at Michaela as a number. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to say I'm sorry for that <laughs> just because I know I wish I had. We will both sit here and cry. <laughs> we will so both don't. cry. So we're going to try not to do that. Yeah. But I wish that I had been there or could have done something to fight for you. So you talk about your GAL. Did they come visit you? Were they allowed to come see you? Um. Yeah. So. Towards the end, um, even the director of um, the group home that I was in, the leveled group home that I was in, got involved. And oh. he wrote a letter. Um, he had previously been an advocate for foster children. And it was really a turning point for the group home in itself because he had just entered into um, being in that director role because the former director passed away from cancer. Um, and so I was also there during a really hard time for the facility because the director had cancer and there was not a lot of implements being changed or a lot of kids being listened to. Um, and so I was in a situation where my social worker would come visit me. I would voice how I felt. I didn't have a lot of people to back me up. Um, I had probably switched between two or three therapists while I was at the group home. Um, so there was no solid foundation there as far as being able to back me up with that. Um, and so I was really just advocating for myself. Um, and then I I basically got on my knees, begged and cried for like just a family that I could go visit for the weekend. Um, and I think my social worker broke at that point and did whatever he could to get that for me. And he did. Oh, that's um, awesome. And so it wasn't. It wasn't my therapist that was visiting me. Um, it was another family that I had formerly met um, while I was younger in the system. And um, her name was Eula. And she had a daughter named Sarah that she adopted. And Sarah, I went down there for one weekend and stayed with them for a weekend. And it was like, after that, it was almost like a tornado. Like, they fault for me to the bitter end for me to come be placed with her and Sarah I'll never forget Eula telling me um Sarah cried and begged for her sister to come home and so that was where I met like my first sibling because yeah. I hadn't been with my biological siblings so she was that was what introduced a new chapter in my life of like a sibling how old were you at this point, you think? 14? Uh, 15. 15. Yes, I was 15. So you're 15 and you've got Eula fighting for you. Yeah. Um, And how did that go over? Did they listen to Eula? Did they? Um, They did. So it was 
now Eula, my therapist, my GAL, and my social worker, and the director of the group home that I was in all saying, you guys are not treating this child right. So Team Michaela is growing. Yeah, <laughs> it's growing at this point. It was the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So did they did they keep letting you go visit with Eula and Sarah over the weekends? or? Um, so this is kind of where my story gets hard to tell because, like I said, I don't want to bring malice to the situation of like DSS, but I know if there are any foster parents listening, um, they probably already know some of the struggles um, with the two-way street between DSS and the foster parent. Um, so Eula was a single foster parent. She was a single mom. And I already had a label that I was a bad kid and that I didn't listen and that um, I got into some physical altercations in the past um, with other kids and um, the group homes and stuff that were, I, I mean, I was a typical teenager. Um and so it was almost like at any, I was walking on eggshells and at any moment they were going to move me. Um, so I, this was by far the happiest placement I had ever had. So um, they did let you move in then? They did. Awesome. Um, but this, like I said, if I told the detailed story behind that, uh, there would but be you some didn't very, stay. So is that right? The, you didn't stay. Um, so there'll be some very angry people. Um, and again, whenever they pulled me out of the t the group home I was in for two years, they didn't let me go directly into her home. They made me go to two other group homes before I was able to be placed with her. Oh, my goodness. So how long were you with Eula? Um, so I was with Eula, I want to say for about, I turned 16 there. So I want to say I was there for about a year and a half. Um, and I was, I, I'll just tell the, the story of, the day that I got taken away uh, from her. So we begged for me to be placed up for adoption so she could adopt me. Um, and the supervisor at that time told us, basically sat us all in the living room and told us that, was po that wasn't possible um, because I was 16. And by the time that happened, um, I would already probably be 18, um, he said, because it would be like a two-year span of them being able to execute that plan so at this point I was very frustrated because I'd been in foster care since I was 12 I'd been passed around from family to family since I was nine and rights were never terminated um, so the ball was dropped on that end and it was almost like I was already labeled as a bad kid so they just wanted to keep me in group homes and let me age out and there was really nobody in my corner until now um, and so I'll never forget Eula telling me like I fought for you to the bitter end, and I, I want you to know that if anybody says anything different, it's not true. Um, and so I was at a friend's house. I was a normal teenager. I was at one of my girlfriend's house, like literally a block away from, from my foster home. And DSS just did a pop-up visit at Eula's house, and Eula was home, and... Um, my social worker asked, you know, like, where's Michaela? And she said, well, she's at her friend's house a block away. I'll call her and have her come home um, since you're here. And he said, what's the friend's name? And Eula didn't remember her name. Um, and so that's why he called the supervisor and the supervisor said, take her out immediately. And so I was removed within an hour. Um, I had to pack all of my stuff and I was moved to 
another awful placement. Um, so again, I was ripped out of like the happiest place I had been and moved to a really strange, just awful place. Um, all because my foster mom didn't remember my friend's name. I can't remember my children's names sometimes, Michaela. So that yeah. would be hard for me. Um, but not only so it affects Eula, but it affects Sarah. Yeah. Who was adopted. Yeah. So just more trauma. Yeah. So um, they definitely should have given uh, that a little bit more thought, in my opinion, than just because it's not like you were in danger. You weren't in harm's way. Did you come home and... Yeah, I came home. Eula came and picked me up where she dropped me off. So she knew where you were. She knew where I was. And you were where you said you would and be. And I was where I said I would be. So she came and picked me up. And um, I just remember on the car ride back. I knew when she called me something was wrong. But she was crying. And she just said, I don't know what to do right now. But I'm going to get you back. And... um. And at this point in the story, I'm thinking little 16-year-old Michaela is thinking, well, darned if I do, darned if I don't, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hitting people. I'm not like you're behaving <laughs> yeah. and you're doing it in a great placement. And I was making good grades and I wasn't getting in trouble at school. Um, there was a previous situation where I got caught sneaking out. But again, I was a teenager, so I did some teenage things. Um, but like my my therapist at the time put it like, the former therapist at the time put it she was like she's a teenager like I've done stuff like that when I was a teenager um so it was I was held against standards that like you said I was danged if I do danged if I don't did your GAL speak up for you in that moment and try and keep you at Eula's or get you oh, moved yeah. back uh, the like simplest way I can put it was like it was war at this point well um I don't know what happened in the next placement, but they've kind of set you up for failure at this point because I can imagine how angry you are now that you've been moved. So even if you're moved to the best home in all of creation, it's not going to be a good spot for you because mentally you're you're yeah. done. So at this point, they had not only ripped me out of the happiest place that I'd ever been in, um, but then they ripped me out of my school too. Oh. So I was removed from the home I got comfortable in, removed from my friends. Um, and I was in like a really, like a bit like out in the woods farm type of placement, mm -hmm. um, where the lady wanted me to literally turn into like her barn assistant. <laughs> so it was, it was like, a. I just didn't expect this to happen. Like I expected previous things to happen as far as placements went, but um, it's so hard to tell my story and not bring malice to the other side. So I just will put it as I was treated very poorly and unfairly. And like I said, it was war at this point between the Michaela team and DSS. So how long did you stay at that placement? Well, this was another roller coaster for me. Um, like it's so hard to tell to tell your story being in foster care and like give pieces of the puzzle um, and not reveal the trauma. But there was a lot of trauma following this with my placements. So if I, if you asked me how many placements that I was at after being ripped away from Eula's home, I probably couldn't tell you um, because it was like every other week at mm. this point. 
Um, so I was being moved and moved and moved. Um, and I was showing out. Uh, I was really angry. I was really mad. I didn't want to be with anybody. I didn't want to be at any of these placements they were taking me. You think? Uh, I completely understand that. So were you getting moved schools every other week too? Or were they trying to keep you at the same school? It was or? a it was a blur. I really can't. Like I would have to sit down and probably write just to remember what all happened because I was so traumatized at that point um, based off of not only being ripped out of my comfortable placement and my school, but also the following placements after that and the things that took place. So let's go back to, um, are you still seeing the therapist I think you said was visiting you at the group home? Is she still a part of your world at this point? So they actually removed that for me too, um, where they wouldn't let me visit her. Um, so I was completely by myself at this point, but they were fighting for me behind, um, the, scenes. behind the scenes. And I, I didn't know, obviously, because DSS wasn't going to tell me. Um, but as soon as I got within arm's reach, of, um, I got a job. And they tried to stop me from getting a job, too. They told me, you know, like, based off of my previous behavior, they weren't going to let me work. Um, and so that was another step where my GAL attacked that and was like, Advocated. No, no way. Um, so I love that in this story, though, that you have a GAL that is advocating for you and fighting for you. Was it the <laughs> same GAL through the whole thing? Yeah, she I was, think I know who she is, yeah. too, right? She, she's a piece. Like, she <laughs> don't we, mess with can her. Can we say her name, you think? It, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's Dawn Stover, right? Yeah. Dawn Stover. <laughs> if you're listening, Dawn, man, thank you so much for fighting for this girl. Yes. And Carol. So Carol was behind it, too. Um, if you ask them, like, if, probably if you said my name to them, they would <laughs> probably look at each other and laugh and be like, fist bump. Because yeah. it was just, like I said, it was a war from there. So what's your next positive memory? I mean, I'm thinking if you're going in, you're, you're going on 17, you're a senior coming up on your senior year. Well, within a year of all of that happening and them ripping me from Eula's um, home, I can't tell you how many foster homes I jumped to and from, but in my last most horrible foster placement and um, my former therapist was now from the time I was 12 to the time I was 16 fighting that fight and finally was able to team up with my GALs and become a foster parent. And Okay, wait, wait, wait. So the therapist that you saw when you were 12 that would come and see you at the um, group home and then was taken away from you and you were told you couldn't see her. Yeah. And now she's introduced because she's been fighting this whole time yeah. to see you. Yes. How did they tell you this? Like what in the world? Uh, she told me she got to deliver the news because I think if DSS would have delivered it to me, it would not have been as happy. Um, so what'd she do? Like Michaela, what'd she say? Like, this well, we went to court. <laughs> oh, you found out at court. Yeah, we went to court and uh, probably the most <laughs> like I wish I could do a Netflix series because it was just amazing to watch that courtroom fall out like it did. Like G my GALs were on it. They were on it. And uh, DSS was on the stand and the guy that had given me so much trouble was on the stand and he was sweating. He was sweating, wiping his face. Like they were, 
I'm ne- it was almost like something you see on the movie. They were attacking him in the most positive way. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but the questions that they were asking him and the way that he was answering them, the judge was literally baffled. Do you still remember that judge's name? I do not. <laughs> well, I th- do not remember the judge's name, but I remember my GALs. I remember being pulled into the chambers. I remember having a voice like that day because I was 16. And and what did you say? I want to go. What did you tell? What was your voice that day? Well, if you know me, you probably, <laughs> probably know, like, uh, you probably laugh at me, but I would just tell him it's ridiculous. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you guys have put me through enough. And honestly, at this point, I didn't have to say anything because my GAL and the attorney was so fired up. Um, I didn't even really have to say anything. They knew my heart and they knew they saw what I had been through. So you're 16 and your old therapist comes in and says, I want you to live with me. Yeah. I want I want you to be my daughter. Yeah. How long had you been waiting for those words? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, baby. I'm sorry. I can't help it, Michaela. Oh. You'd been waiting a while. That was the happiest day of probably my life. Because somebody wanted you. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't care if it took two years or whatever, um, which actually she ended up not adopting you until you were an adult. Is that right? Yeah. But I asked her to do that. Um, and she fought for me for four years. She fought for me for four years. And, um, the best part of that is that she was a single mom herself going through a divorce. Mm. So did y'all, so your senior year, did you live there with her? I did. (laughs) Yeah. I got, did you have any other issues? Any, um, well, normal issues. Well, at the time I had, um, effects of PTSD that I didn't know were PTSD, um, complex PTSD so um school was very hard for me um school was a challenge every day I had been to seven different high schools um my guidance counselor um I just made a post about this recently she made me a chain of quotes positive quotes because she was informed of like everything that had happened um I was that kid that sometimes I had to leave school early because I was throwing up just from trauma like just because I couldn't sit in class um and like function as a normal teenager um I was at that point again I just remember being happy again and fearing that I was going to be removed well Um, I would well that would have been from your placement with Eula right everything was going great and you're Mm -hmm. thinking but it could all be pulled away from me at any moment right so at that at that point I was Again, probably the happiest I had been just like I was at Eula's, but um, my trauma and the constant fear of DSS removing me was clouding um, all the positivity. It was clouding. You don't trust it. I don't. Yeah. I How didn't. could you trust it? It had all been taken away yeah. from you so many times. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Um, I hadn't seen my siblings. Um in a long time and I was also going through challenges of even being at Deborah's which wasn't her fault um which was you know my former therapist she like I said was a single mom she had an only child and he had to uh 
he had to adjust to me being there and not being the only child anymore. So there was days where I would, you know, he would have outbursts of like, that's not your mom. She's my mom. So it was, it was a lot like, it was almost like I was never settled until I was 18. Um, and then I knew they couldn't like touch me anymore. If that makes sense. Um, And even when I turned 18, I had the fear of just like still not being accepted about of like people around me and the family that had brought me in. And so I out of fear, like worked three jobs just like chronically. And (laughs) I would say I say chronically because if you ask anybody that knew me, I constantly had like three jobs and um, moved out and got my own apartment and I've been on my own ever since but why did you move out so quickly it was just a fear and trauma and it was nothing my my mom did it was nothing that you know my brother did it was nothing that um even DSS did at that point it was just all previous trauma that clouded my judgment clouded my decision making um made me feel like I could never be settled until I was on my own. And you only I trusted ha- you. Yeah. And I didn't have anybody to please. Yeah. So. Goodness gracious. Well, yes. we are kind of wrapping up this story. Um, and it's been a big one. Of course, your story's not done. You're married. <laughs> you got two beautiful babies. Yes. Um, but one thing, it is Foster Care Awareness Month. And we are in desperate need mm-hmm. for foster parents. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're having a hard time finding placements for newborn babies. If if we can't find homes for newborn babies, I don't know how we're going to find homes for teenagers. So just speak to the people that are listening now. Um, I heard somebody say it takes like four touches of foster care or five before you actually will consider it. So this is your chance to say, if there's somebody thinking about being a foster parent, what would you say to them? Well, I would say to you that if you asked my former therapist, which is now my mom, um, she'll tell you, even though she was going through her own struggles in life, um, she would never take that decision back. And it was one of the best decisions she ever has made um, because it's just like giving birth to your own child. Um, You never know how much love you have in your heart until you give it a chance. And I don't think anybody's ever ready to have their own biological child, much less be a foster parent. Um, And so I think people have this impression of like, if they become a foster parent, it's like they have to, Um, they have to say yes, they have to do this, they have to do that. But what they don't know is that, you know, these phone calls are completely optional. Um, If you're licensed and you get that phone call and it tugs on your heart, that's a yes for you. If you get the phone call and it's just, you know, silent and you have no tug, that's a no for you. Well, I am a foster, I was a foster parent and I'll tell you the tug comes every phone call. I think, and some foster parents will agree with this, that sometimes it's kind of like, um, some, because social services is so strapped for placements is that they will call you and ask you to take a child that they know will not be a good fit in your home, but yeah. they're so desperate. So, um, you know, just, foster parents, if you're getting those phone calls, you know, pray about it and make sure it's a good fit. Um, but you don't want to, you know, if you have other placements, you don't want to disrupt those. So just, but those phone calls are hard, Michaela. When you get a phone call. (laughs) I can only imagine, but like being 
being the kid in foster care, it's like you're desperate just for someone to give you a safe place to lay your head or, you know, like three meals a day or like a clean room or a shower. So it's like, and that's as a kid. And so we think about all these like third world countries who have like kids who are desperate to like eat and stuff, but it's happening right here in America and people are not jumping in and people are not tackling it and helping. Um, And it's so it's like, if it was your child, and I always tell people this because this happens, if it was your child and you and your resources were to not be here anymore, suddenly pass away, and it was your child in that system, what would you want to happen? So it's just like, if you have a biological child, you have to think about them too and put yourself in that other child's shoes that's in the system of like, if something was to happen to me and my child had no other resources, which is what happens to these kids who are in foster care, whether their parent make bad decisions or their parent pass away, because there are kids in foster care because their parents are deceased or just not here. Um, and nobody's there to take care of them. So they're placed with all this trauma. I love how you just, I've never thought about it like that. I love how you did that because it, it then makes it everybody's problem. It does. It is everybody's problem. Foster care is everybody's problem. And you're right. If, if me and my husband were gone tomorrow, man, I would want somebody to step up, to step up and take in my children and love them. Um, so, and what would you say to foster parents or people that are thinking, not foster parents, because they don't think this way, so, but somebody that maybe is saying that, um, I couldn't do it. It's too hard. I could, I couldn't let them go. I would say to foster parents that. Well, they're not foster parents, remember? Oh. Well, they're thinking say, about becoming foster parents. <laughs> I would say to individuals that could you imagine and going back to your biological kid or going back to even like the younger you and something happened to your caregivers, something happened to the people who took care of you day in and day out, just one day vanished. And people were saying that same thing about you. And you were being tossed around to strangers that didn't have that heart. Cause they're just afraid they might get too attached. Yes. So I will say that there are very minimal people that are foster parents that have that heart, that same heart of I'm scared to get attached, but still do it anyway because they're fearless. They're fearless of I'm giving a child in need, a home of love. So what does my adult heart matter versus this child's life? So what would you say, then let's do a shout out for all those good foster parents out there that are doing it, the hard work and stepping up to to all the EULAs um, and the different ones that step up. What would you say to those foster parents? I would say that <laughs> well, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, that you're doing the good work and thank you and that you are planting a seed that's going to bloom and bloom and bloom for this child. Because that's what I would say to my mom. So my e- mom even if they're just there for a week or a month or yeah. a year? Yeah, because uh, even Eula, like, 
gave me that seed. And still to this day, I look back and I'm so thankful that I was there with her and Sarah in that moment of my life. And to my mom now, I just thank her every day, all the time. (laughs) I can't thank her enough because that seed that she planted and that fight that she fought for me has overflowed in my life. It's overflowed into my marriage, into my kids, um, and even into me in the future and my husband becoming foster parents. Um, Everyone around my mom, like everybody around my mom that she works with, have considered foster parent, being a foster parent, and um, every single person that she works with right now, other than three people, are foster parents. That's awesome. So, well, Michaela, thank you so much. I know it's hard to tell your story. I know it's been hard for you, um, but thank you for just um, sharing your heart as much as you can. Yeah. I know it's painful and I know you don't yeah. want to get anybody in trouble or talk about the negative, but yeah, thank you for doing that. And um, I think there's people listening that will make that next step. I hope so. I hope so. Cause um, it's a gift that will keep giving and that's a promise. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today for foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.